Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to our online service on Christmas Day. And uh, it's a privilege to spend some time with you in the Word today, on this beautiful day. And uh, let's just take a moment to pray as we get into the Word. Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You, Lord, that amongst everything else that's happening today, all across the world, we can, we can choose just to take a moment to be to become quiet in your presence, Lord. We thank you that we can take a moment to stand still in your word, Lord, and to reflect on who you are, Lord, and to reflect on the on the fact that you sent your Son. And I thank you, Lord, that we can we just take time now to consecrate this moment, these moments to you, Lord. And we ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would come and minister to each one, each one listening to this message, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Come and lead us into your truth, Lord. We consecrate this time, Lord. And may, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, God. In Jesus' name. Let your name be glorified in our midst, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's a privilege to spend some time together, even if it's in this context. Um, I hope you've been having some time of rest with your family. And uh, I hope you're having a wonderful time together. Just the other day, my wife and I attended a, a wedding of, uh, of some friends. And, uh, wow, it's always so glorious. I must admit, I really enjoy weddings. Um, I didn't have to preach at this one, so I actually enjoyed it even more. No, but uh, we had a wonderful time. And I'm always reminded when I hear the testimonies around weddings and day marriages, that I'm always encouraged. Um, God is into that, and His presence was there and um, it was such a blessing. And we, we actually went on our own and we left the children with friends for, for two nights. And uh, when we came back, it, I was interested to see that even our littlest one, Emily, didn't seem like she missed us that much. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that was a bit of a moment, realizing that they were all fine without us and they had such a great time as well, growing up way too fast. In any case, today I want us to stand still at a couple of things around the word and uh, one thing that I've, I really enjoy when we read the Scripture is when, when you start to get a bit of a bigger picture view of Scripture, it, it changes the way we, we read Scripture. It changes the way we, we see what, God, what, what God's um, plan throughout the ages. And I want to really encourage you, if you've not had an opportunity to read through the whole of the scriptures, to maybe make that one of your goals for next year, is to find a, a Bible reading plan to help you and to read through the, all of the scriptures next year, throughout next year. Maybe that's a good goal. But when one does that, you, you kind of get this over, you this bit of a bigger picture of, of the, um, the, the redemptive purposes and plans that God brought through right from Genesis all the way through um, to where we are today, and it's so amazing to see that that thread throughout the the ages, the thread, the golden, the, the, the some call it the scarlet thread, but the thread of 
of God's plan and His purpose, of God's redemption and His salvation. Um, but let's let's start at um, Matthew chapter 1, 18, right there, just before the birth of Jesus. Um, from, from, from verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. And that name means Savior. And then it says, for he will save his people from their sins. And right there um, is, is such a crux of the whole purpose and life of not only Christ, but the whole plan of, of God throughout the ages is that Jesus would come, God in human form, born by a virgin, immaculately conceived by the Holy Spirit, born um, by a virgin and and his name will be Jesus, and he would be the Savior of the world. Um, and this, so we see this story start, this story of redemption, this narrative, this redemptive narrative that that God br- brings right from the beginning. And we see it even start right there in in the garden, in Genesis, and um, and we see God's plan for, of of relationship with human with with us. And then we see the enemy come in and he tempts man and man falls into sin. And then we see this spiraling out of control. Things go pear-shaped really badly and go downhill from there. And, and we see that in a couple of years um, time, a couple of hundred years, we see that things go so badly that, that Scripture says that God was so horrified with the evil and the destruction and the perversion that covered the earth, that the, the people were in such a state that he was um, sorry that he created a man. And I want to read from Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil con- continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I'm sorry that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and he had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with vines through, through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. And it goes on, and, and God finds one man, Noah, who is righteous. One man that is willing to listen. One man that is righteous in his sight. And one man that is willing to do his will. And God, through that one man, he, 
He, he, he makes a, a, a vessel, a, a, a place, a, he creates an ark through which man can be saved. Mankind can be saved and preserved and through which the, even the animals can be preserved. And the ark points so powerfully to Jesus who would, who would become that, that place of safety. To, it points to the cross would become that place of salvation through which we can be saved. Um, and then we go on, we, we see this narrative continuing, and uh, I can't mention everything, but there's this thread going throughout the Old Testament. We look at the life of Joseph, for instance, you know, the God's people, um, <clears throat> that was then at that point, there was Jacob and his, his clan, you know, the, the, um, Israel and his big family, his 12 sons and, and every, everybody that came with them. And, and we see right at the beginning, we see the enemy come in and notice the the uh, the anointing on Joseph's life, Joseph's life, and there's a, there's a plan to destroy him. There's a plan to kill him, and right at the last minute, that plan changes, and these brothers sell him. And then even then, the enemy comes in, and he's imprisoned, and he's you know he's just reduced to to a, a prison, being a prisoner somewhere out of sight. And I'm sure the enemy, you know, they will thought, just okay, great, I've dealt with this guy. He's not going to have any impact anywhere. But we see this powerful plan again of redemption, of salvation, because there's this massive famine that comes, and, and God works powerfully through the life of Joseph, not only to rescue Egypt, but to rescue the surrounding nations, to have food for the surrounding nations, and also for his people. Jacob and his clan is now then Israel, Israel and his clan, Israel, you know, that, that end up moving to Egypt, where they would have perished without food, God has sent Joseph ahead to be the redemptive agent, to continue that redemptive narrative. Let's read from Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. And this is Joseph speaking to his brothers. He said to them, Joseph said to them, But do not fear, for I, for am I in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph recognizes that although there was so much that was meant for his destruction and, and, and against him, that, that God was able to turn that around and was able to continue that redemptive narrative through, that, through those dark years and even use the life of Joseph so powerfully to save the people of God from destruction and from perishing. And their story continues. They, they end up, you know, they stay in Egypt and then they become enslaved. And we know the story. Then we see Moses and we see the Lord de delivering his people from the land of Egypt. Again, that points to Jesus delivering us from our captivity, delivering us from sin and death, saving us from, from being enslaved to sin and death. It goes on. We see the judges, um, for instance, Gideon. We see this powerful moment where Gideon has to, you know, there's this army of Midianites that want to completely um, obliterate God's people. And they, they are such a massive army. They, they, they're such a, um, I mean, they are outnumbered in any case. But then the Lord sends 300 men through with Gideon. He says, and with 300 men, they overcome them. They have a supernatural victory. And Again and again we see this pattern. We see how it looks like the people of God come to the very edge of complete 
destruction. The very they get to the very edge of being completely wiped off the face of the earth. But then there's there's one man and there's a remnant that remains and God's narrative continues. His narrative and he saves them again. And we see this continuing through the Old Testament. You know, people led being his people led to captivity and then saved again. The nation being divided into two. Um, so amazing to see this thread continuing. And every time it seems like the enemy has won. Every time it seems like Israel is no more. God's people are no more. And then we see his plan come to pass again. We see his narrative continuing. And there's another thing that we notice is throughout the Old Testament, there's the hundreds, literally hundreds of, of prophecies that speak of this narrative, that prophesy of the coming of the Messiah, that prophesy about Jesus so specifically. And when I read one of them from Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For the increase of, his, of the increase of his government of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and evermore. And we, so, we see so many of these powerful um, prophecies pointing to Christ. This narrative continuing even through those hectic years where there was very little of God's voice, very little of the word. And people didn't hear the voice of the Lord, didn't hear the word of the Lord for hundreds of years. But this, this thread continues um, and these prophecies are to remain that, will, that promise the, the coming of a Messiah. And then there's this, the culmination of God's plan with the culmination of this redemptive narrative when Jesus is born, as we read at the beginning. And we see the life of Christ, it's, it's, it just continues to fulfill the promises and the words and the prophecies. Miracles happen, healings. People are delivered from demons. Amazing stuff happens. People are raised from the dead. In front of the eyes of the disciples, they see the promises come to pass. They see this is the Messiah. This is the one that will come and deliver them from oppression, will come and set them free. And uh, they see this happening. And they, they, and, but then the impossible happens. Then what it seems that, that all that they thought was happening, is, it seems like it comes to nothing. Because what happens is all of hell breaks loose against Jesus. Literally every power of darkness, the enemy, Satan and all his demons, the, the hordes of the, the armies of hell march against Jesus. And they, and they see in front of their eyes, the disciples see the one that they thought was the Savior. They see him taken captive. They see him tortured. And they see him die. On a cross. Their hopes are dashed. They, they, their hopes of a Messiah on the cross in front of their eyes as he breathes his last breath. And in that moment, we see the scripture so powerfully described, even creation reacting. There's darkness that covers the land, there's the rocks that split in two, there's um, and people just come out of, you know, dead people rise from the dead. Crazy stuff happening all over the place. 
as, as the whole of creation re reacts, it seems, to this, the potential Savior now dead. But then we see in that moment a very, very powerful thing happen at the same time. We see that in that moment that Christ breathes his last breath, the veil in the temple that separated the, man, the people from the presence of God, that meant that the, the normal person couldn't go to God, couldn't get into His presence. That veil was torn in that moment from top to bottom. And even as the Savior, the one that, that they thought would rescue them, dies on the cross, this thing happens in that same moment. And, and whoever was around must have, must have realized, wow, is something else happening here? Is there a bigger story happening? Even right now as Jesus is dying on the cross, is there another story that's happening that we can't see? That we're not aware of and surely yes because even in that moment where where, where this you know the enemy satan released all that he had the, the whole of the the powers of darkness and evil forces that we can imagine everything that he had he threw at christ everything he had but still he couldn't win the victory jesus overcame the enemy it wasn't even a contest. He overcame sin and death. He won the victory. On the third day, He rose again. Um, even when the powers of darkness threw everything at Him, they could not overcome Him. And He won the victory on our behalf. He won the victory on behalf of all mankind. He won the victory not only for God's people, not only for the Israelites, the Jews, but he won the victory for every human being. He won the victory for all of humanity so that we can once again have that relationship that Adam and Eve had in the beginning. That we can have once again have that intimate relationship with, with the Father. He won that victory for us. The devil that is absolute worst but Jesus still won the victory. Um, as we see this again, as through all of history, the devil threw everything at him. It seems like this is the end indeed. But then that redemptive plan, that redemptive narrative surfaces again, and the purposes of God continue as He has ordained from the beginning of time. And in throughout all eternity, in fact, I want to read from Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Uh, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. This is the New Living Translation. The cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with Him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of our, the charges against us, and He took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And he won the victory on our behalf. 
every time God takes what was meant for evil, what was meant for destruction, what was meant to obliterate the people of God and the plan of God, He takes that and He makes it work according to His will, according to His purpose, according to His redemptive plan. Every single time. Every time it looks like this is the final blow, God's plan prevails. Um, and I want to encourage you this, this, this morning, this today, there may have been moments this year where you thought things cannot get worse than this. There may have been moments, you may have been through the roughest year imaginable, but I want to encourage you today that God's plan and His redemptive purpose remains. Just as a side note, you know, I feel often we, we wrestle through things, we struggle through things, and we endure hardships, and we are, as believers, we, we are, the scripture says we should expect to endure hardships. But somehow we sometimes we compare our hardships with others and we say, okay, I shouldn't be complaining. I shouldn't be, uh, this isn't really a hardship because somebody else is worse off than me. And we say it in a way, we think in a way as if there's a, a finite amount of, of care and compassion, uh, compassion available to us, which is not true. So don't compare what you are struggling through with others, but bring that what you're struggling through to Christ. Because He cares for you. Amen. Yes, don't complain and sit and wallow in self-pity. But bring what you're wrestling through to Christ so that He can redeem it. So that in that wrestling, His kingdom can come and His will can be done. Amen. As we stay submitted to Christ, as we stay yielded to Him, to His will in and through our lives, His narrative will continue. And I want to encourage you that if you've been through a rough year, you and your family today choose again to yield to His purpose and His plan. Today say, Lord, we humble ourselves before you as a family. And we say, God, we choose again to yield to you. We choose for your kingdom to come through our lives. We choose for you to turn what was looking like destruction, turn it around for your purpose and for your glory and for your kingdom. I want to pray now, but I want to encourage you today to take a moment with your family, to break bread together, to get some crackers or bread or some juice or wine, to stand still amongst everything else that's happening around us. It can be so chaotic this time of year, especially today. I want to encourage you, stand still and look at the cross. Consider the cross. Consider what God has done. Consider the price that Jesus paid for your salvation and for my salvation, for the salvation of all humanity. Consider, because it is not something that we can, we can ignore. The cross requires a response from us. We cannot ignore it. I want to encourage you today to respond to that invitation. Through Christ Jesus, God says, I love you so much. And throughout all the ages, I've, just, I've so deliberately and so specifically demonstrated my love for you and for humanity by by this redemptive thread all through the ages, I've demonstrated my love for you by sending my son in your place. And today he invites you to accept that invitation again, or maybe for the first time, to bow the knee before him, to accept Jesus as Lord and as Savior, and to experience that place of being reunited with the Father and coming back into line with the redemptive narrative that he has for your life. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can remember that, that you, you demonstrated your love for all of humanity, Lord, by sending Jesus to pay the price for our sin, to, for him to take our pain and our guilt and our shame upon himself, every curse of hell, every power of darkness, every thing that, came, that can come against us, he took upon himself, Lord. And we thank you that he paid the price. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice. And Lord, today, God, we thank you that we can again choose for ourselves and for our families, Lord, that even though we may wrestle through difficult things, even though we may feel like we are at the edge of destruction, at the edge of complete, completely perishing, though even in those moments we will feel we cannot handle it anymore, we thank you, Lord, that we can look to you again. And we can choose, Lord, that we would say, Lord, we yield to your purpose. We yield to your plan. Let your kingdom come, Lord, in our lives and through our lives. Let your glory be made manifested in and through us, Lord. And Lord, let your redemptive plan prevail for your glory, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for your time today. I want to encourage you to take time to be still before him as a, as a family, but also on your own. And, and, and open your heart to Him today. God bless. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 12 3621363 email us pretoria at shofaronline.org browse our website www.shofaronline.org or like us on facebook.com/shofarpretoria forward